This is the season of anticipation, of expecting, of hoping, of wanting. This is the time of expecting the arrival of something or someone. We are waiting. This is the time of living in darkness, in the hues of unknowing, of being quiet, of reflecting on a year, a strange year that's almost over, waiting for a new beginning, for a closing or an end. This is the time for digesting the lessons of days gone past, anticipating the future for which we are waiting. Waiting for a world which might know true justice, waiting for a lasting sense of peace, respite and renewal, waiting for a bridge to span the divides which separate us one from another, waiting for a sense of hope. For all of this, we are waiting. These opening words, adapted from a piece by the UU Minister Leslie Takahashi, these words welcome all who have gathered on Zoom this morning for Kensington Unitarian Sunday service. Welcome to members of the congregation, to friends and visitors who are with us today, and to all those who might be listening later on on our podcast or watching on YouTube. My name is Jane Blackall and I'm a member of the staff team at Essex Church. I've been part of the congregation for 21 years now and I'm also a ministry student in my third and final year with Unitarian College. It's lovely to see everyone's faces out there in Zoom land this morning. Looking around the virtual room is an experience to warm the cockles on a chilly November day. And it gives us a sense of how we're all still connected in community, even as we're scattered all over the country and indeed all over the world. Looking around, I see people from Suffolk and Watford and Bristol and Malvern and Kent, uh, from France and Germany um, and Madeira, all over the place. Even though I say it's nice to see you in the room, I want to reassure you that if you're not in the mood to be seen, as Jenny already said, perhaps you technically haven't got out of bed yet. And I do sympathise being more of an owl than a lark. It is absolutely fine if you want to keep your camera off this morning and just lurk quietly. There will be some opportunities to join in by speaking or singing as we go along, but there's absolutely no obligation to do so. So if you feel you need to keep your head down, that is absolutely all right for us. So this is the first Sunday in Advent. I hope you appreciated our virtual Advent wreath. The, uh, the logistics of moving a real one from one venue to another were a bit beyond us. That image with one lit candle that we had up during O Come, O Come Emmanuel, the music at the start. And in the spirit of Advent, a time of waiting and anticipation, perhaps we could do with taking a moment to pause now, to intentionally slow down, to breathe into this moment and arrive. Perhaps follow a breath or two. And set aside as best you can whatever inner hubbub you might have brought with you this morning. You can pick it up again in an hour's time if you need to. And as we often say, whoever you are, however you are, you're welcome in this gathering this morning, just as we find you. So I'll light our chalice now as we do each Sunday and at other times we gather. This is with some words loosely based on some by a person called Cricket Hall. This simple ritual connects us with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over. And it reminds us of the proudly progressive religious tradition of which this little gathering is part. 
In these days, many of us find ourselves to be in a state of waiting. Waiting for a greater sense of clarity and certainty in everyday life. Waiting for help to materialise, for experts and leaders to do right by us. Waiting until we feel safe enough to return to circulation. Waiting to see how it all turns out. So in this time of waiting, may we hold the world in our hearts. In this time of waiting, may we reach out to others in loving kindness. In this time of waiting, may we be wise to keep ourselves and our neighbours from harm. In this time of waiting, may we be thoughtful and introspective. In this time of waiting, may we pay attention to all it has to teach us. And in this time of waiting, may we rekindle the fires of love, hope, joy and peace within ourselves and our communities, doing what only we can for the common good of all. And perhaps we can take those joys and concerns into an extended time of prayer. This is loosely based on some words by the Unitarian Universalist Minister, Karen Johnston. You might wanna adjust your position first for comfort you might want to close your eyes, soften your gaze, maybe look at the chalice flame. Perhaps there's a posture that makes you feel more prayerful, whatever works for you, whatever will get you into the right state of body and mind for us to pray together now, to be fully present in this sacred time and space with ourselves, each other, and that larger presence which holds us all. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being. As we turn our attention to the depths of this life, the cosmic mystery and wisdom that abides in all that is, we tune in to your holy holding presence within us and amongst us. In this season, after many long months of disruption, our hearts are overflowing with lamentation and longing. Longing for a world with more hope and less despair. Longing for a life of more connection and less isolation. Longing for a future of less consumption and more compassion. Longing to be more relaxed and carefree, less anxious and uncertain. Longing for a brave love, a growing seed within us, spreading far and wide. Longing for a better world, where all injustice and oppression is overturned. Longing for companions to give us courage, that we each might play our part in life helping to bring about beloved community, which some might call the kingdom of God. In this community of care and compassion, we hold those who have shared their joys with us, for each shared joy is a form of nourishment for us all. In this community of care and compassion, we witness those who have shared their sorrows with us. For each shared sorrow touches our hearts 
and we accept the call to lighten the burden of our companions where we can. So in a short time of shared stillness now, let our hearts pray the prayers only they know. Both prayers of compassion for all those who are suffering this day and prayers of gratitude for all that is still nonetheless very good in this world. Spirit of life, God of all love, as this time of prayer comes to a close, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness, and call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen. So I'm going to hand over to Juliet now, who's got a reading for us, a piece by Hope Yaren. A Seed Knows How to Wait by Hope Yaren. Hope Yaren is a geobiologist who has built three laboratories in which she studies trees, flowers, seeds and soil. The following piece is an excerpt from her memoir, Lab Girl, titled A Seed Knows How to Wait. A seed knows how to wait. Most seeds wait for several years before starting to grow. A cherry seed can wait for a hundred years with no problem. What exactly each seed is waiting for is known only to that seed. Some unique trigger combination of temperature, moisture, light, and many other things is required to convince a seed to jump off the deep end and take its chance, to take its one and only chance to grow. A seed is alive while it waits. Every acorn in the ground is alive as the 300-year-old oak tree that towers over it. Neither the seed nor the old oak is growing. They are both just waiting. Their waiting differs, differs, however, in that the seed is waiting to flourish while the tree is only waiting to die. When you go into a forest, you probably tend to look up at the plants that have grown so much taller than you ever could. You probably don't look down where just beneath your single footprint sits between 100 and 1000 seeds, each one alive and waiting. When you are in a forest, for every tree that you see, there are no less than three million more trees waiting in the soil 
fervently wishing to be. When the embryo within a seed starts to grow, it basically just stretches out its out of its doubled over waiting posture, elongating into official ownership of the form that it assumed long ago. The hard coat that surrounds the peach stone, a mustard seed or a walnut shell can shell mostly exists to prevent its expansion. In the laboratory, we simply scratch the hard coat and add a little water, and that's enough to make any seed grow. It must have cracked thousands of seeds over the years, and yet the next day's green never fails to amaze me. Something so hard can so easily, if you just have a little help in the right place under the right conditions, you can finally stretch out into what you're supposed to be, just like the seed. After scientists broke open the coat of a lotus seed and coddled the embryo into growth, they kept the empty husk. And when they carbon dated this discarded outer shell, they discovered that their seedling had been waiting for them within a peat bog in China for no less than 2,000 years. This tiny seed had stubbornly kept up hope of its own future while entire human civilizations rose and fell. And then one day, this little plant's yearning finally burst forth within a laboratory. I wonder where it is right now. Each beginning is the end of waiting. We are each given exactly one chance to be. Each of us is both impossible and inevitable. Every replete tree was first a seed that just waited. So we're coming now to a time of meditation. Again, you might like to have a wiggle and get as comfortable as you can in your chair or your bed. You might want to put your feet flat on the ground to help steady yourself. You might want to close your eyes. There'll be some words from M. Barclay, a piece called Slow, which perhaps speaks to the practice of intentionally slowing down. The shift in attitude we might bring to these times when endurance is called for. The value of savouring the good things in life and making sure we stay in touch with reality in all its shadings. Those words will take us into a good few moments of shared stillness and that silence will come to an end with some instrumental music from Sandra. We're gonna try something a little different this week and during the time of silence and the musical interlude, I'm gonna put a chalice cam up on screen so you can look at that instead of me. As ever, the words and the images and the music are just an offering, not an obligation. You're free to think your own thoughts and meditate in your own way. So some words from M. Barclay. Now is not a time for rushing past joy. Do not move too quickly from any good thing. 
not laughter or a sight of beauty, not a taste, a feeling, a companion or a truth. These are gifts not to be wasted. Be generous in sharing, linger and give thanks. Be excessive in awe, just do not hurry through them as if they're not precious in this season of grief. When you encounter the harder things, still move slow, open to wisdom's guidance through pain. Listen patiently to your fear. Pause so the voice of your body can speak. You cannot hurry in heartbreak or loss and hope to make it through. And all of this, not only for the sake of your own endurance, but also for each other. When we tend inward, we prevent that which makes our spirit decay. When we nurture our soul, we grow in our capacity to contribute to the whole. Nothing much of value grows quickly. Not courage, nor healing, not love that liberates, not justice that transforms, not the new world that we hope to grow from the ruins of all that's destroyed. Everything we need the most for our collective soul to make it through this alive requires great urgency and abundant patience. So wherever possible, take a breath. And again, find the rhythms of life best for growing our souls.
So like I mentioned, today is the first Sunday in Advent. And so today we're pondering a classic Advent theme, the theme of waiting. I've called today's service, What Are You Waiting For? It's a question you can take several ways, but the one way I definitely don't mean, mean it is the way we usually say it, the rhetorical sense, to try and G someone up or hurry them along. Get on with it. What are you waiting for? Today's service, by contrast, is more about the virtues of slowing down and embracing the waiting. So let me begin with some words by the Unitarian Universalist Minister Shelley Page, who writes, We actually do quite a bit of waiting over the course of our lives. There's the everyday waiting in the supermarket checkout line, and then there's what I call the serious waiting, waiting for medical test results or for a new job after months of unemployment, waiting for a precious child to be born or adopted, waiting to see if we're accepted for college or for a training programme or a promotion, waiting for health to return after illness or injury, waiting, waiting, waiting. And these times of waiting can be rich times of anticipation or they can be tense times of apprehension. We sometimes rail against the interminable wait, filled with anxiety, tension and impatience. Understandably so, waiting can feel stressful or painful as we hope for the best but anticipate the worst. But I ask you to consider the possibility that waiting itself is a spiritual practice. A pregnant moment or series of moments in your life filled with potential for growth and insight. End quote. So what are you waiting for? I imagine for each of us there are many sorts of different waiting going on in our lives right now. Waiting for a phone call or an email from a loved one perhaps. As in Shelley Page's list, waiting to hear about the results of a test or a scan or a job application. With varying degrees of seriousness, these all come under the heading of everyday waiting. And if we're thinking about waiting as a spiritual practice, as Shelley Page suggests, then this sort of thing, right down to the micro level of waiting for a pot to boil or the traffic lights to change, this is a good place to start to strengthen the spiritual muscles and consciously practice patience. Especially as there are often situations where we can't do much really to hurry things along. There's a simple quote I like on this matter from the Zen teacher, Tigan Dan Layton, who writes, learning patience is a matter of finding peace and balance within us with the unresolved or unsatisfactory when there is nothing that can be done except to wait it out. There's another quote that I find helpful, one which underlines the importance of patience in small things as a way of building up our endurance for when we need it in more challenging scenarios. These words are from the writer Mike Riddle, who says, patience is something that is chosen. It's an active and intentional waiting, which grows from an attitude of trust towards the essential goodness of life. And it's a craft which must be learned through practice. It seems to me that every time I learn to extend my patience a little further, some new event will come along that stretches me just that bit more than I'm prepared to go. And I suspect that's the only way to develop patience, similar to athletes who incrementally improve their performances end quote and as well as these commonplace forms of waiting i think i can't avoid mentioning the one big source of waiting that is particular to this moment in time and which affects us all the global pandemic we're living through in this year when covid19 has brought so many aspects of our everyday lives to a halt i guess most of us are waiting and hoping for the return of some sort of normality whatever that means 
And there's lots wrapped up in that, of course. Some are waiting for restrictions to be lifted, chomping at the bit to be allowed to resume their everyday activities ASAP, while others are perhaps waiting for a vaccine and won't be back in circulation until they feel safe enough, regardless of what the government might allow. Whichever way you look at it, this year has been, for many of us, a real test of endurance. Perhaps something more than everyday patience is required in situations like this one. So think of it like this, perhaps. Another way of understanding what are you waiting for is in the sense of what are you doing it for? Why are you waiting? What's the purpose of it? There's a famous phrase that kept coming to mind while I was thinking about this matter, except I could only half remember it. He who has a why to live can bear almost any how. That's the actual quote attributed to the famously gloomy but influential philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche. I misremembered the quote as something more like one who has a why to wait can bear almost any waiting. I think the made up version is as true as the real one, more or less. And you can see it all around us at the moment as people are making tremendous sacrifices for the sake of a greater good. The why of protecting the most vulnerable provides a vision which enables us to wait, even when waiting for social contact, for freedom to travel, for normality, whatever that is, is tremendously hard. There was a meme, the sort of memorable image that does the rounds on social media. A meme went round online back in the spring and it consisted of a very simple calligraphy haiku. The haiku went, we isolate now, so when we gather again, no one is missing. We isolate now, so when we gather again, no one is missing. Quite powerful words. And perhaps remembering such beautiful, simple statements of purpose can help to make our waiting meaningful and strengthen our sense of endurance during these difficult times. There's an even grander sort of waiting I could mention too, waiting for a better world to come, or at least for some of the building blocks of a more loving and just world to come into being, to become reality. I guess each of us has our own pet causes we particularly care about, changes we'd dearly like to see. This too is a kind of longing look to the far horizon for a sense of light and hope, very Advent-y imagery of course, as we look towards Christmas, anticipating the birth of Jesus and all those metaphors about the light of the world, the return of the light with the turning year. And it ties in with some other images we often speak of here, the beloved community, the kingdom of God, this ideal hope of how things might be one day in the future. The way of being in the world that we sometimes taste glimpses of when people and communities are truly loving and just in their ways of relating to each other. Holding this image of the future that we're waiting for, longing for, that may help us to take some of the small steps now which nudge the universe in the direction of greater love and justice. To pick up on the metaphor from the reading that Juliet gave us earlier, to plant the seeds which might one day bear fruit. So I'll ask it again, what are you waiting for? Because tuning into your own longings like that can be instructive. I put a short quote from the writer MJ Ryan on the email that went out on the mailing list and she wrote, being made to wait helps us figure out what we truly want and what really matters to us. Remembering that some things are worth waiting for helps us decide what it is that's worth the wait and to prize it truly when we do receive it. 
There are different flavours of waiting too. Sometimes we are eagerly anticipating something that we want, an outcome we desire. Other times we feel a real aversion, a revulsion to an outcome we might dread. My personal example, as one who spends a lot of time online, there are days when I'm constantly hitting refresh and wishing that for some hoped for email will arrive. And there are other days when I'm a bit scared to look at my inbox because I don't want to know. But it's not just a question of anticipation or aversion. A lot of the time there's a more neutral form of waiting that we might think of as curious waiting, a wait and see approach, wondering how it'll all turn out. And as well as that distinction between desire and dread and that more neutral form of waiting in the middle, it can feel different depending on the likelihood of the thing that we're waiting for to come about. The thing we're waiting for might be highly uncertain or it might be close to a dead cert. You might have heard of the phrase waiting for the other shoe to drop, which refers to the horrible situation where you're braced for an almost inevitable bad thing coming. Or the thing we're waiting for might be an outside possibility at best, which nonetheless has gripped our imagination. Another distinction we might make is between passive and active waiting. Sometimes a situation is or seems to be out of our hands, determined by forces that are largely beyond our control. And in such situations, it would seem that all we can do is passively await our fate. But perhaps more often than we think, there is a possibility for active waiting where we can make at least some small effort to tip the balance and bring about the future we want to see. So as I close, I'd like to share some wisdom from Henry Nouwen, who wrote, the word patience comes from the Latin verb patior, which means to suffer. Waiting patiently is suffering through the present moment, tasting it to the full and letting the seeds that are sown in the ground on which we stand to grow into strong plants. Waiting patiently always means paying attention to what is happening right before our eyes and seeing there the first rays of God's glorious coming. So in this season of Advent and the longer season of waiting we may still find ourselves in, may we choose such a path of active waiting and orient ourselves towards hope, planting those little seeds wherever we can to help grow the future world of love and justice we all want to see. Amen. Time for us to sing now. As we're in Advent, you will be getting carols of some description in every service during the month ahead. And today's choice is People Look East. Uh, we had to go rummaging in the congregational archives for this. So it's a recording of us in church almost exactly two years ago, which accounts for there being some rustling and coughing. Uh, I hope you'll overlook that just for the novelty value of singing along with ourselves, which hasn't got old yet. Uh, don't worry, Jenny is going to make sure we are all safely muted for this bit so you can sing along freely as long as your housemates or neighbours aren't having a lie in. So yes, I'll be uh, displaying some slides and playing the music for you to sing along. Uh, enjoy.
some announcements then. Uh, thanks go to Jenny for co-hosting today, Juliet for our reading, Sandra for the excellent music. As usual, there are a couple of opportunities to connect with others in the week ahead. Uh, there's Coffee Morning at 10.30 on Tuesday, as usual. Uh, Heart and Soul is uh, also on waiting this week. Same theme if you want to explore it in more depth. A few spaces available tonight, nearly full on Friday, so you have to get in quick if you want to come to that one. Don't forget we have virtual coffee time after the service to chat in small groups if you'd like. And if you can bear it, we like to take a group photo after the closing music, so do stick around if you can. We'll be back on Zoom next week at 10 a.m. Sarah will be back. Bring your friends. You might like to let your friends know about our various Christmas services. In addition to all the regular Sundays, we'll be doing a tea time candlelit service on Christmas Eve. And it's always fine to share the Zoom link with others that you trust. So we've just got some brief closing words now, followed by some lovely music to end. I invite you to select gallery view at this point so we can all see each other and get a sense of our connectedness for the closing. This is the season of endings and beginnings, when the small signs of dawn pierce through the night and something new is born. But first comes the waiting, the longing. The presence of life, the sheltering spirit of love, grieves with those sweeping up the debris of loss, waits with those who restlessly yearn for a change, grants us courage in the night to guard each other's dreams for this holy, wondrous universe the world transformed we long for. Grant us, O universe unfolding in mystery, a sense of your timing. May we loosen our grip on that which doesn't serve us, leaving behind that which we've outworn and outgrown. And teach us the lessons of waiting, of beginnings and endings. Remind us that such times of pools may be a fertile starting place for a planting of seeds which bring to birth that which is ready to be born something right and just and different from what we've known. A new song, a deeper relationship, a fuller love, a future of flourishing in the fullness of time. And may it be so for the greater good of all. Amen.